Welcome to Newbridge Crescent Community, a place we experience perfection unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Join us as Pastor David Ogenero teaches and divides the word of truth. Be blessed as you listen to the sermon. In Christ, we are God's new breed. for today's midweek service is Ephesians 2. If you saw the poster, who saw the poster? Saw the poster. Don't worry, I've not forgotten. You will come and share your testimony. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's managing better. Praise the Lord. So, it's actually a Bible study on the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. You know, the Bible will not make so much sense to you until you have a desire for it. Are you following me? 
A pastor has a challenge. Most pastors, including myself, there are many times where you have a challenge when ministering to people. Especially if you are a spiritual pastor. When I mean spiritual pastor, I mean you care about spiritual things, right? If you are a spiritual pastor, you always have this challenge of should I just preach and just pray for people, oh, your needs are met, oh, God will prosper you, which he does and which he would keep doing, praise the Lord. Or, should I just go in the line of growing up spiritually and teaching them the things of the Spirit? Praise the Lord. Most times, we are tempted to tilt towards the direction of God will prosper you, God will bless you, He will change your story, which is good, but most times we tilt to that because that's what will reach to more people. Do you understand? That's what most people want to hear. That's what most people want to talk about. Oh, how God can make you rich, which is good, but incomplete. Are you following me? It's great, but incomplete. So, the, the challenge with that kind of, of, of system is that in the long run, we will produce people who only care about the things of God but don't care about God. And that, that, that's what we have today littered all over the body of Christ. Not just in Nigeria, but in the world at large. But especially in Nigeria. You will see people who call the name of the Lord Jesus. They profess faith in Christ. But you see the kind of lives they lead and live. And it beckons you to ask a lot of questions. You hear a person say things like, I know say I be Christian. No. Or you say, see, leave Christianity aside, I go deal with you. <laughs> you see, that kind of statement is is possible because he believes Christianity is something that you can pick up and throw down at will. So you pick it up when you need God. So maybe this time around, oh God, well. Oh God. <laughs> so what have you been doing all your life since? But you see, the, 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 the problem with that is in the long run, you will grow old thinking yeah, you, you've known God or you will grow old in church but you will not know the Lord Jesus. I'm sorry to say it, but many, many people, they've grown old and they've not grown in the Lord Jesus. What are the dangers of that? You will get to heaven and find out that many people do not even scratch 
even up to one quarter of what God has for them. But that has to change. See after me, that has to change. That has to change. If the Bible ever makes sense to you, you need to know that the Bible has a central message. It has a central message. And the Bible is about, the message of the Bible is about God, Christ, and God's plan for all of mankind. Let's say it together. The Bible is about God, Christ, and his plan for mankind. The Bible is about God, Christ, and his plan for mankind. So that's it. And that brings us to the central message of the gospel. central message of the gospel. I'll start from there before we go into Ephesians 2. Number one, the gospel reveals that God loves man with an everlasting love. Say after me, God loves him with an everlasting love. God loves man with an everlasting love. 
Not because of anything that man has done or man did or man will do. What did Adam do? God just created a man and put him in a garden. Are you following this? God just created Adam and put him in a garden. It begins with the fact that God is a good God and he loves man with an everlasting love. But man has corrupted himself in darkness and deserves to die. Are you following this? Man corrupted himself in darkness. Man had a choice. Man had a choice either to choose God or to choose the option of Satan. But he chose unbelief. He chose Satan. And he became darkened. And man deserves to die. The Bible says, the wages of sin is death. The payment. So, if, a, if man gives himself over to sin, the payment for that sin is death. And that death is not just death in this world, but death in the world to come. Eternal death. Separation from God. Eternal punishment. You know, people have asked the question that why will a good God send people to hell? Have you, have you heard of that kind of question before? Why should a good God send people to hell? Do you know that if God didn't send people to hell, then he's a bad God? Because for, for, that, for a person to be good, he must be just. Are you following me? For a person to be good, he must be able to appreciate justice. How do you feel whenever you hear that somebody did something wrong and escaped without being punched and being free? You feel so bad, right? That is your that's it. That is the good part of you crying for justice. Every one of us will like justice. Why? Because somehow we know that if there is a bad, there is a good. If there is an evil, then there is a good. If there is a right, then the, if there is a wrong, then there is a right way to do things. Are you following me? And because God is good, He must punish sin. Now, but if God is love and if God is just, you just imagine this baby here is my daughter. And I am the judge. She has done something for which she deserves to die eternally. What will I do? You see, God got to that point. So that takes me to the next point. God had to take responsibility for his creation. God had to take responsibility for man. Because except He's going to destroy the creation he has made. He was left with no other option. Who is following him? So God had to come as though he was a man and die for man. Does it make sense? God was a spirit, or God is a spirit, but the spirit cannot die. But and the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the spirit cannot die. So how will he die for man? So he has to come and be a man. Does that, does that make sense to you? 
So he came as Jesus and died. So God takes responsibility for man, dies his death, and gives man his life. Are you following this? So God takes responsibility for man, takes his place in death, so that man can take God's place in life. So Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Let's go there. Romans 3. Verse 20, Romans 6, sorry. Verse 23. Romans 6. Verse 23. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see that? Now, does this scripture make more sense to you? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of the Lord is eternal life. Why is it eternal life? Because it's God's life. Remember? So, God came and took man's death so that man can take his life. After me, I have his life in Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now that we've received this life, what does this life entail? Praise the Lord. You know. When, when we tell people that <laughs> the, 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 the life that God has given us is full of so much inheritance and riches, they are thinking of car, house, money. <laughs> but you see, the true riches are the riches of the finished work of Christ for man and redemption. Owing to the fact that man's problem was primarily a spiritual problem. Are you following this? All of God's riches in Christ are primarily spiritual. Praise the Lord. It is true that God blesses us with, with physical things. But you see, those physical things are not and cannot be the riches of Christ. Hey. Somebody is asking, why? Because it is called the riches of Christ. It is riches that you can only get if you are in Christ. Are you following me? If you can have them without being Christ, then you don't need Christ. Are you following me? There are many people who don't believe in Jesus Christ and they can do Yahoo and get a lot of money. So, money cannot be a symbol of God's riches in Christ. Now, does that rule out the fact that God blesses us? No. Because in the Old Testament, God blessed people, and the, but they were not saved. Are you following me? In the Old Testament, God blessed Abraham. God literally made Abraham rich. But Abraham was 
still not saved. He has not encountered the riches of Christ. Praise the Lord. So, the riches of Christ or the blessings of Christ refer to who we are and what we have become in Christ. Let, let me say that again. The blessings and the riches of Christ refer to who we are and what we have become in Christ. Say after me, the blessings, the blessings. And, the and the riches of Christ refer to who we are and what we have become in Jesus Christ. Okay, now, let's look at a good example. The Bible says, man is dead in sins. The wages of sin is dead. Then it says, the gift of God. You see, what did, what did he call a gift? Eternal life. Are you seeing this now? Can you hold eternal life physically? No. But he called it the gift. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to bring you to the point where you see that what you have in Christ is much more than anything you can get on this world. I'm trying to make you see that all the riches you have in Christ are worth more than gold. Are, are you following me? There is something more than gold. There is something more than money. If you have not gotten to this point, you will not value the Bible. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you have not gotten to the point where Christ means everything to you, the Bible only makes sense on the time when you need a, when you need a solution or when you need a problem. And that does not make you different from a herbalist. If all I do is to come here and say, drop this seed and your, your story will change, what's different between me and the herbalist who just says, oh, bring that goat and I will kill that person for you? Do you go to the herbalist and, do people go to the and say, oh, I just want to fellowship, have fellowship with you? I want you to just grant me peace, peace, my spirit, peace. I want you to grant me peace of mind. What are you talking about? Say after me, I'm growing in Jesus Christ. I want to bring you to that point. You know, it is it's so easy to look at your life and say, oh, um, um, but look at what is going on. Look at the challenges that is going on around my life. Do I have, I have an answer for you? Relax. Say your neighbor, relax. Relax. Your most difficult problem was the problem of sin. Are you following this? Your most difficult problem, your most challenging problem, your eternal problem was the problem of sin. God handled it in Jesus Christ. How much more the issues of this life? Are you listening to me? Your problem of sin, that, that problem sin, the problem of sin and death, passes not just from this world, but into the world that is to come. God handled it in Jesus Christ. How much more the cares of this life? You see, the purpose of man is fellowship with God and making other men have fellowship with God. There are things that man needs in this life. But sometimes the devil can make you get distracted with those things that you don't have attention to pray to God. 
But you see, it is a paradox that there is a way you keep on following the Lord and soon enough, even the things that pertain to this world, one after the other, you will begin to get settled. But you see, you must begin from the fact that you are satisfied in Christ and Christ alone. Praise the Lord. You know, as, as, as a growing Christian, and I began to stumble on these things. I began to ask myself, what if I got born again during the Roman Empire? Where it was a crime to be a Christian. What would I have done? Would I have still believed? And somebody messaged me one day, asking me that Muslim Somebody of another faith was trying to get a hand. And she was considering it. And like, I'm like, yeah, considering it. It's not something to consider. Are you following me? The Bible talks about Moses that he counted the, 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 the reproach. For the service of God's people, more honor, more honorable than all the pleasures of Egypt put together. Who is following me? He counted the, the he esteemed the reproach of his people of Israel more honorable than all of the blessings, all of the pleasures of of the palace. That's the testimony of the Christian faith. So after me, Christ means everything to me. Okay. Let's make progress. And when this thing happens, once you get to that point where Christ means everything to you, you see, his word, you now begin to value his word. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Let's go there. First Peter chapter 1, from verse 23. The Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Verse 24, for all flesh is grass, and the glory of man as the flower of, the, of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof filleth, falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Say amen. amen. And this is the word which the gospel is preached unto you. Do you see that? Do you see that? Yes. You know, it seems to say, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. What is the word of the Lord? He says the word of the Lord is the gospel which was preached unto you. He was intentional to make sure you see that what he called the word, the word that God has been trying to say, meaning if you put all of the word of God together, what he's trying to say is the gospel. What I explained to you about Christ, that's the word of the Lord. Praise God. Someone say, okay, how can you tell me it's the gospel when all the stories of Egypt and Israel and everything? There is no way you pick in the Old Testament that you want to see the story of Christ and his kingdom. For instance, David and Goliath. Look at this great big giant. Big guy came to confront Israel, and from nowhere, David came on the scene with a sling. David killed Goliath, and Israel, who did absolutely nothing but be scared, got the victory. That is that not your story, redemption? 
You were confronted with sin. And God brought his son, Jesus. You were scared that you, you, you will face eternal judgment. Jesus killed, Jesus defeated the devil for you. You did not have to fight, but you were declared the winner. Are you understand what I'm saying? That's the same way. You're not the one that went to the cross, but because you believe in Jesus Christ, you have been declared the winner. Say amen. 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 No wonder the Bible says we are more than conquerors. He didn't say you are the conqueror because you do not have to fight. All you need to do was to believe, was to accept what somebody else has won for you, and you became the conqueror. Are you not seeing why it's called good news? You see, it is upon this premise that every other thing that we are trusting God for can happen. The reason why you can rebuke sickness in your body is because the devil has been defeated. He has no right to keep inflicting sickness upon you. Are you following me? So he says the blessing is primarily spiritual. The reason why we can tell the devil, out of my finances, take a hold against out of my job. This thing must prosper in the name of Jesus is because Christ has won the victory. Say after me, Christ has won the victory for me. Say after me, Christ has won the victory for me. Everything I'm trusting God for, they are delivered. My prayers are answered. My prayers are answered. This year I have my testimony. Because Christ has done it for me. Amen. See, I will labor and preach the gospel. I will preach this thing. <laughs> I will preach the Bible roll like this. See, all, see, everyone that hears that this voice, you say, ah, if you want the word of God. Praise the Lord. So, First Peter chapter 2 from verse 2. The Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk, milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, why did I have to read First Peter chapter 1, verse 23? I wanted you to see that the Bible actually was not written in chapters and verses. It was broken down by men. For him to come to chapter 2 and say, as newborn babes, he had already laid the foundation in chapter 1, verse 23. He said, being born again. Are you following me? So in chapter 1, verse 23, he has already said, being born again. So when a person is born again, what he spoke of in chapter 2 is supposed to be his experience. Praise the Lord. When a person is born again, so as a newborn babe who is born again, he's supposed to do what? Desire the word of God. If you are a person, if you see a person who claims to be a Christian, but then Joyce, he, he likes to every other thing in this world except God. He, see, he's not saved. He wants to enjoy every other thing. He feels when they are when they are playing pepper there, he wants to dance. He's very excited to dance. But when it comes to the word of God, oh man, this word does somebody else. Let's not be managing it. Pastor, 30 minutes teaching, he's already tired. But three hours is watching Pragya. Z word. You just what happened. Ah, come and see. I'm not saying you should not enjoy yourself, but you see, when you are a Christian, as to enjoy yourself, a part of you will tell you. Oh, you know you need the word of God. Sometimes you may shut it down, but it will be crying out inside of you. Who's 
to pray. But if you are such a person that you are just going, having fun, no, you don't even think about, oh, I need to, I need the word of God in my life. Ah. According to the Bible, not according to me. According to the Bible, you need to actually be saved. You need to become a newborn babe in Christ. What does that tell you? This statement I just made shows you that uh, 20% of all the people you think are saved <laughs> may not be saved. Troubling fact, right? But it's Bible. It was on this note that we decided let's take out some time and read the Bible. They would check the, the, the early church. They were so in love with Christ that there were many times where most of what we call the epistles, all those Philippians, Colossians, they were actually letters that were written to those places. That when they go there, they will carry it and read to them. Paul will be told, you will see most of those letters start with Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the saints who are at Ephesus. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them who are at Colossae. The people were waiting for the letters, so they would gather around in one corner. Sometimes they wouldn't even have a church building, they would gather in somebody's house. And Paul will read. So you see most of the times after Paul writes, towards the end of those letters, you start talking to people. You say, see you to Archippus. Say you to my, my friend Priscilla. Tell this one that you should bring the notes on him. Why? Because those things were letters. Praise the Lord. So we want to be like those early saints. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So quickly. Open to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15. It says, Wherefore I also, that's Paul talking now, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Remember our emphasis is chapter 2, right? But I need to come from chapter 1 a little bit so that we just see why we went to chapter 2. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Who is the him? Christ, right? It is Christ. Amen. Amen. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of of his inheritance in the sense. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Praise the Lord. I'm going to chapter 2, but why did I read here? He wants to talk about you. But he first starts by talking about Christ, what God has done in Christ. Praise the Lord. You know, it's one thing to see that, okay, to hear that somebody died at room Calabo. That guy 
guy also rose up. Ah, that guy. People were gathered, and the guy went up into heaven. How does that concern you? Are you following me? So, this first part, he's talking about Christ. But in chapter 2, he begins to show you how that though he's talking about Christ, it was because of you that God did all those things to Christ. It's, it's, it's easy to look at Jesus Christ rising from the dead and say, oh, God likes Jesus very well. God, Jesus was a good man. God really loves this Jesus. After the man died, God made him rise up. But he's trying to make you see that it was because of you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now you see why, how the Bible is constructed. Follow me. So let me read from verse 18 again. Now, he's praying for the church in Ephesus. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us world? Are you seeing this? The exceeding greatness of power that was demonstrated in Christ was because of you. It was towards you. Praise the Lord. Now, let me jump. Let's jump to verse 22. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things to the church with his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now go to chapter 2, verse 1. Now, look at chapter 2, verse 1. He says, and you. Are you seeing the constructs? So he has talked about Christ, right? Now he goes to chapter 2 and says, now you. And you had he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Say after me, he has quickened me. Verse 2, he says, Wherein in time past ye walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which now walketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we, are, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. See after me, I'm, I'm no longer a child of wrath. I do not walk after the course of this world. I am no longer controlled by the prince of the power of the air. In the name of Jesus. Now, verse 4. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. So in chapter 1, you saw that God demonstrated his power in raising up Christ from the dead. But in chapter 2 now, you are seeing that when he was raising up Christ from the dead, it was actually because of you. So that when a person believes in Jesus Christ, even though he has been dead in sins, he is being speaking back to life. Say amen. Amen. So as he was raising up Christ from the dead, in God's mind, even though you had not been born that time, in God's mind, that was the mechanism by, him, by which he will raise you out. Out of spiritual death. So let me read that again. But God who is rich in mercy. Say after me, God is rich in mercy. God is rich in mercy. For God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. You see, God has great love for us. Remember where I spoke with the from? Great love produces great mercy. Have you had this situation before? Guys who relate with this more. Maybe you love the girl so much. So you bought something for her. You know, hero, she has misplaced it. It's okay, no worry. It is because you love her that you can literally say, But the other person that you want maybe something far, far, far less than that, as you lost that one. How can you lose this thing? Can't you 
build something there. You see, the love is not so much. So you see, the mercy is not so much. Are you seeing that? He says, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy. Except for me, God is rich in mercy towards me. Because he has great love for me. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we are dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. Say after me, I've been quickened together with Christ. Then it says, by grace are you saved. Verse 6, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places. Pause. Go to chapter 1, and see verse 20. Verse 19 into verse 20. So, he was praying for the saints in Ephesus. It says that they will know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Verse 20 says, Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power. In this place, he didn't talk about you. Are you seeing this? He didn't talk about you. He's just talking about how he just spoke about how he raised up Christ and set him in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power. But in chapter 2 now, go to verse 6. It says, and I raised us up together and had made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means when Jesus Christ was raised from, from the dead and made to sit in heavenly places far above all principality and power, it was also doing that for you. So what does that mean? If you are in Christ today, you are above all devils and demons. Amen. Amen. See, I need, you, I need you to focus. I need this thing to enter you. Sometimes I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and power. I have dominion over all demons. I have dominion over the works of darkness. Amen. Why? Because when he raised up Christ and made him to sit with him in heavenly places, he was doing it because of you. So that when a person believes in Jesus Christ, that same place that Christ is seated, you are seated also. That is why chapter 2 starts with, and you. Praise the Lord. Chapter 2 is talking about you. Chapter 1 ends is talking about Christ. Chapter 2 is trying to explain how what Christ did has been factored to you. Praise the Lord. How does by believing, you have become what he has become. Hey, tell me I have become what he has become. Let me tell you. It's easier for me to come eh, and just say, Be blessed! And bless you, and you'll be blessed. But you know what will happen? In the long run, my spiritual stature of getting you blessed based on the redemptive work of Christ will keep on increasing, and you will never grow. See, it's easier, it's easier to do that one. But the spiritual growth that Christ wants, every child of God should be able to grow to what is called minimum standard. Where you can disciple somebody else. Praise the Lord. Say after me, I'm raised up together with Christ. And I've been made to sit together with Christ in heaven in Christ Jesus. Verse 7 it says, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. So now, he's explaining why he did it. Why did he do it? Just so that he will show the exceeding riches of his grace. Have you loved somebody so much that you are just giving the person things just to show the person, see, I love you, baby, take you. 
hostil. Say after me, my life reveals the exceeding riches of God's grace. Verse 8, it says, For by grace are ye saved, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Glory! Now, what does this mean? It means that a man is not saved by anything he has done. You cannot say you are God, you are, you are saved because you are doing good things. Praise the Lord. You are not saved by the good things you are, you are doing. You are not saved by works. But when you are saved, God makes you to do good works. Praise the Lord. You are not saved by good works. But when you are saved, you produce good works. That's what that means. For by grace are you saved. Say after me, for by grace I am saved. True faith. And it is not of myself, it is the gift of God. Let me continue. Verse 9 says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now verse 10. Can't you see the way chapter 2 is just paying so much attention to you, 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 you. All of this is possible. Because Christ died, buried and rose. So, it is true that man was destined for death. His nature was spiritual darkness. So Christ came and died his death. And Christ gave him his life. So that him, as God has taken our death, we now took his life. Are you seeing that? But what is the content of his life is what we are looking at. When you receive his life, you are quickened. When you receive his life, you are saved by grace. When you receive his life, you have been raised together. When you receive his life, you have dominion over principles and powers. Do you understand it now? So do you understand what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to show you what do you have because you have the life of Christ. What is the content of the life that Christ gives? It is true. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So what does eternal life contain? I'm showing you now. Praise the Lord. Eternal life doesn't just mean the quantity of life, but the quality of life. It is true, it is eternal. But um, what I'm showing you now are the qualities of this life. I know that this message, what I'm teaching, is not, is, is not a popular message. I know this type of thing is not popular. But this is the Christian, this is what the things that the apostles, this is what the things that the early church fed on. They still fed on it till their lives became very, very different. Sorry, please. Apart from the acts of the apostles, if you go back to history, there were so many people who, who believed the gospel of Jesus Christ and did so many things. There was a man called Polycarp. Polycarp so, so, so lived as a God life till one day he came out. He saw a dead tree. He spoke to a dead tree. He was looking for dead things to raise back. Do you understand? He spoke to a dead tree. Shortly, the tree began to grow. He prayed for dead animals. He raised dead animals back to life. Do you understand? It seems to me that as the years go by, many times we become so settled in this modern world, this world of just, and, and we, 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 are, we are losing touch with the, with the core of the, the Christian faith and power. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? 
can imagine th- these days somebody go, goes and, and maybe Apostle Paul comes to visit and somebody comes to see Apostle Paul and say, Oh, Apostle Paul, do you know that these days I've been struggling with, with um, um, masturbation and this and that. I'm struggling with sexual stuff. And Apostle Paul goes like, Do you know you are in Christ? Like, he said, But where are all those stuff? I don't, I don't really have time to start reading all those stuff. Paul says, Then I can't help you. I gave you everything in sins. Let me tell you, when the word of God, see, in my personal life, I saw how the word of God broke me from addictions. I'm serious. And this is what I'm saying. There was a time in my life, let me tell you this story. There was a time in my life, every night, when I want to sleep, when I sleep, I was afraid of sleeping because in my sleep, there was always a girl that was coming to molest me. Every time I close my eyes to sleep, Daniel, yeah, come, I will preach and daddy. Every time I close my eyes to sleep, this lady will come and molest me. But I noticed as the word of God started growing in my heart, I will rebuke it, I will cease it. I will rebuke it, I will cease it. A time came, I forgot about it. But I did not know that this is not true. Until one day I just say, ah, come on. Why is that lady that used to come? Just don't. Many people are trying to change their lives and their circumstances by one big bang stuff. They want to just have this three days stretch prayer and fasting and bam! All the devils are gone. No. The Bible says, in the city of Ephesus, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. If the word of God does not grow in your life, there are some levels of prevailing you will never see. There are some things that can only grow because so this can only change because the word of God has grown and prevailed in your life. Are you hearing me? That was how that manipulation in my life stopped. See, it was so bad, eh? Many times I used to be afraid to lie down. Because if I lie down, I would start feeling, oh, Madame de Combe. <laughs> Madame de Combe. I didn't tell anybody. But it was happening. Until the word of God. Bam! So mightily grew the word of God. As you are hearing what you are hearing now. Your spirit man is rejoicing. But the fact is that you have not been sold in touch with your spirit. So you, you may not be feeling that, that glow of the spirit. Let me continue. It says from verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Say after me, I am God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So you see what I was telling you about? That you are not saved by works, but when you are created in Christ Jesus, God creates you and prepares good works for you. Praise the Lord. Now, what does workmanship mean? Workmanship means handwork. A dictionary definition of workmanship means, let me read it to you. Workmanship is the degree of skill with which a product is made. The Bible says that the person who believes in Jesus Christ is God's workmanship. Meaning, God's degree of skill was demonstrated in the new creation. The greatest thing that can happen to a man in this world is to be born again. God's skill when God said, I want to demonstrate that I have skill, I want to 
prove to the world that I'm a skillful person. He did not say when he created the world. He didn't say the world is God's workmanship. He didn't say that when he created the mountains or the hills or the universe or the seas. Have you seen the sea before? Have you crossed? Go to Abuja and see one of those hills. You, you will marvel. But the Bible says that God's workmanship is the new creation. That means I think we need to learn more about yourself in Christ. Maybe you just need more revelation about who you are. Maybe you, you are so limited because you know so little. Chat me, I am God's workmanship. Chat me, I produce good works. Works of love. Works of wisdom. Works of excellence. Works of peace. Works of progress. No wonder First Peter chapter 2 from verse 9 says, But yeah, a chosen generation, a real priesthood, a peculiar people, that you should show for the praises of him. You see, we have been called to show for the praises of God. God wanted to show forth himself, but he decided to show forth himself in you. Chapter me, I am God's workmanship. You carry this idea to whatever you do. Carry it to your business. Carry it to your music. Are you hearing me? I'm God's workmanship. Let me tell you, your life is not just... See, don't, don't, don't... Those of you listening to me, refuse to live a normal life. No matter how old you are, even if you are up to 70 years and you are listening to me right now, refuse to live a normal life. Don't just be okay, I'll just go make money, come back, have children, sleep, and die. No! I'm God's workmanship. There is more to my life. Tell me I'm God's workmanship. There is more to my life. He says, for ye are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, God has planned already that my path, God has planned that there will be good works for me to achieve. That means I am not a nobody. Are you hearing me? You are not a nobody. God has planned some things, some some crazy things that you will do that people look at and say, oh my God, this has to be some good works here. Do you think he will plan for you and leave you that way? The Bible says that you are created in Christ and God has planned for good works before you came. Do you think God will plan for you and abandon you? He cannot plan for you and abandon you. He cannot plan for you and abandon you. Praise the Lord. We're out of time. So I'll read out the remaining. You can later we'll have time to study it. In verse 13 to verse 14, he explains that we have been made near. This is also part of the blessings we have. That in Christ now. You see, when Israel, when God chose Israel, Israel was the, were the ones that were chosen by God to be close to him. Are you following me? And every other nation, including Nigeria, were all strangers. But you see, by the blood of Jesus, we were made near. Praise the Lord. So, what God did was that, 
in Jesus Christ as he died, he broke the middle wall, wall of partition. What made what was the wall of partition? What makes this day special than others? Because they received the law of God. Are you following me? They received the law of God. But you see, Jesus Christ came, fulfilled the law, and abolished it, such that both Israelites and the Gentiles, every other nation, now became, God saw them as one person, as the same kind of people. Praise the Lord. Let me read it. Let me just read it to you. Verse 11, it says, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So they were calling you on circumcision because they were circumcised. Are you following that? At that time, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. See, God's idea, God's idea is that no matter who you are, if you are not connected to him, you are hopeless. If you like, have a G1 God. If you're not, if you don't have a relationship with God, the Bible says that if you're not connected to him, you are a hopeless man. <laughs> That's what he's saying. So what does that mean? If you are connected to him, there is, there is hope. Say after me, there is hope. You know, the Bible says, he there is just to the living, there is hope. But if, who is really alive? It's not the man that is in Christ. The living is the one in Christ. So that's the man that who is alive because you were dead in sins, but now you have been quickened. So the man in Christ is the guy, is the guy who is alive. So if you are joined to the, to, to the living, there is hope. So let's read on. It says, we're having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off and made nigh by the blood of Jesus. Say after me, I've been made nigh. Amen. That's King James grammar. <laughs> Verse 14, for is our peace. Who had made both one and had broken the middle wall of partition between us? Say after me, Christ is my peace. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God by in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you that which were far off and to them that were nigh. What does it mean, preach peace to you are far up? Those, the Gentiles, and those who were nigh were the Israelites. Verse 18, and that's where I'll begin to, begin to wind up from there. It says, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Praise the Lord. Say, so I, I have access to the Father. By Jesus Christ. Say so after me, I have access to the Father through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers. Glory. Glory. Say after me, I'm no more a stranger. Since now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and with the saints and of the household of God. You need to understand why he's saying this. These people that are writing to are Ephesians, they are people of Ephesus. They are not Jews per se. So, they, many times, among the church community, the, the Jews literally segregated them. That you are not really, you are not really, you are strangers to this thing. So Paul wrote to them and said, you, you are no longer a stranger. Praise the Lord. You, you get me. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. And verse 22, 
in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. What does this mean? It means that by the Holy Spirit, I have now become the temple of God. Praise the Lord. Say after me, I am the habitation of God because of the Holy Spirit. And I received the Holy Spirit the day I got born again. Glory! I think I would like us to end with this one as we close. I am God's workmanship. Say after me, I am God's workmanship. I am God's workmanship. Jump on your feet and begin to declare, I am God's workmanship. So, brother, brother, I am God's workmanship. I have been recreated in Christ unto good works. I am God's workmanship. I am God's workmanship. I have been recreated in Christ. Oh, I am God's workmanship. I rejoice, I rejoice. Glory. I am God's workmanship. I have been recreated. I have a new life in Christ Jesus. I am God's workmanship. Hey, I am God. I am what God says I am. I am God's workmanship. I have been created for good works. Created for good works. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say after me, I have been quickened with Christ. I have been quickened with Christ. I am seated with Him in the heavens, far above principalities and powers. And I am his workmanship, created for good works. Created for good works. Created for good works. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the sermon. We hope you have been blessed by the teaching. Please visit our website, newbridgeccng.org, to download more of our sermons. Remain blessed.